Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, the point today, what I feel like the point is, as I've prayed over this message, um, is to actually encourage people. Encourage people, encourage our house, encourage everyone to, to listen to the voice of the Lord above all things. To literally build their life on His voice, to be led of Him. The defining characteristic of Christianity, really. Psalm 23, that, 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 that uh, the Lord is our shepherd. You know, Jesus comes and reiterates it. I am the good shepherd. And my sheep follow me because they know my voice. But also he says the stranger's voice they won't follow. So there's other voices. Sometimes they're the voice of human will. Sometimes they're an outside voice. But his voice is that of the good shepherd that's come to give life and abundant life. To lead into truth, as he said. And many a time, maybe often... His voice is not exact, actually uh, what we would call conventional wisdom, you know, unorthodox, if you will. Tyler House of Faith, unorthodox church. No, I don't know. I was just thinking of a cool, we don't really have a, you know what I mean? We, we, we don't have one of those. But okay, so, uh, but you know, it's, it's often unorthodox, you know what I mean? It's kind of the way he does things. David understood this. He did. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down on green grass. Still, like he knows the good spots to take me of abundance to feed me. That grass where it's green. He's talking as an animal, as a sheep that follows a shepherd. You know, greatest king in the world at the time, acting like he's an animal compared to God. Like he's my shepherd. He's the real boss. That's the key to authority. I listen to his voice. I eat what he puts before me and he puts the good stuff before me. But... Even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, it won't matter. It doesn't have to be the green grass and the water. Even in that place, his rod and his staff is with me. So, so the, the forecasts of the earth and of this planet, of this plastic reality that we call reality, is not nearly as real as the one who created it, and he's the one who leads me through it in order to, in order to demonstrate his abundant life that doesn't come from inside of this place it comes from outside from the heavenly realm and i'm called to demonstrate that reality in the world beautiful isn't it christianity talk about being woke that's being awakened that is awake that is an awakened mind that sees outside of the temporary to the eternal that's that's the deal and you know he the green grass the still water the beautiful place the, the paradise on the earth yes all that's true but he also prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So it, it can be the most gentle, serene place that you've ever seen, or it can be in the very presence of the one that wanna take my head off, because that's what they wanted to do to David. But even in their presence, I take off my weapons, I take off my armor in complete vulnerability and transparency, and I'm able to sit down at rest and eat because I'm eating with him, and he's the one who guards me. It's a completely different way of seeing everything the unconventional way of God, which is the, what it really is, is the fear of the Lord. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It is so conscious of His reality at all times. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, right? Psalm 34. It's this, this, this consciousness that it's like, oh no, I don't care what it looks like. If I'm following you, it does not matter. If I'm not following you, then it very much matters. Yeah. If I'm on the wrong side of the tracks, or if I'm fighting your will, or if I'm holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, and I'm letting it steer my life, or I'm letting it keep me out of where I'm supposed to be, it very much matters then. Because that's when the smack comes. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not eating with the Lord. I'm eating at my own picnic table. Yeah. But I wanted to start off today, speaking of this unconventional um, I'll read, maybe Isaiah 55 will be the start off. I like to do some of these Old Testament prophecies sometimes about the Lord and the shepherd and the voice of the Lord as we're getting going. Um, 
just because they're absolutely beautiful and pertinent. But Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. In other words, that which is conventional, that which appears to be wise, doesn't always line up with what the way I think and the way I see things. If we have a different perspective than God, then who needs to change their perspective? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the way I see it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's cool. You can. It's cool to be opinionated like that on Twitter with people and debate and stuff like that. But when he says what the way he sees it, it's just like, hey, we have the opportunity to come into agreement with that or not to. You know? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now we can look at this through this um, schizophrenic deity and this bipolar God of, uh, you know, this cloud that came through the knowledge of good and evil. Or we can look at it through Jesus Christ, the, the revelation of God, the word of God, the embodiment of Yahweh, altogether good and lovely and kind, the good shepherd. And we don't see somebody saying, you're dumb and I'm not. No. That's the way football coaches talk to us and some of our teachers, maybe your parents or step-parents, but that's not how he talks to us. It's very important not to place their face on his face. That's what a stronghold is, the definition of it. But he says, my thoughts aren't my, your thoughts, nor my ways are your ways, but as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. But this isn't a rebuke as much as it is an invitation of saying, come up here, right? That's Psalm 24, lift up your heads, you gates, and the king of glory will come in. This is heaven coming into the earth through the gateways of, of the earth, the doorways of, uh, of heaven, who, who we are, you know? And, and he's literally saying, I want you to adjust your mind. I want you to come into thinking and seeing the way that I see them. He's leading us. This is the good shepherd. He says, in verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, but don't return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And here's this beautiful analogy of his word. It's that it's released unto us. You know what I'm saying? My thoughts are higher. My, my ways and my thoughts as the he heavens are higher than the earth. Like that's, that's the reality, but I'm releasing it to you onto the earth. That's what he's saying. I'm not holding it back. And so you know that I'm God and I've got all the, I got the goods and you don't have it. So just do what you're told and don't ask questions. Right? We've been raised in that house. That's religion. What this is, is like, as the, but as the rain falls down out of heaven and waters the earth and blesses the earth, so my words are released unto you, you know. And things grow out of it. And not only that, it gives you bread and seed. It doesn't return to me void. It will accomplish the things which I say that will accomplish. It will prosper for which the things which I send it to. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth and singing before you. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. What is this? Wow. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. It shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall never be cut off. This is the resurrected Christ. That's what this is talking about. He's talking about the reversal of Eden. Where did the thorns and the thistles, and where did, that, where did all that come from? Adam and Eve, their transgression. The toil that instead of Eden, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the entire earth, stretch Eden over the entire earth, they gave the keys away to the enemy by believing his word instead of God's word, right? And they, were, they stepped into this, what we know as the curse. They, they were out of Eden. They were working by the sweat. They were toiling, which is different than work. It's, it's hard labor. And the earth would bring forth what? Those thorns, those thistles, and those things. And Jesus, or Jesus, yes, God is saying this in this verse. It's just like, hey, this is the reversal of all things. My, my words are going to rain down upon you. 
and you're gonna and it's gonna cause things to sprout among you and you're gonna be able to receive and retrieve those things and re-sow them yourself and cultivate those things they don't return to me void like you have the opportunity to come into agreement with everything that I say by faith with everything that I say and be the sowers of light and heaven into the earth and look what happens the cypress the thorns are over with the, the, the myrtle this everlasting sign that will never be cut off, the resurrected Christ, that will be manifested for the name of God will be exalted in the earth. And this is the plan and purpose that we exist for, to usher in this heavenly reality into this, into this realm. I love something that Jesus said in John 7 when he was talking about this unconventional um, walk that is listening to his voice above any other voice. And he says, in Matthew 7, 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. It's like, hey, listen to the things that I say. You know, this is the Beatitudes. This is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is like Jesus is saying things that are kind of hard for people to hear. If somebody slaps you in the face, turn your other cheek. It's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, cut off your hand if it, if it leads you to sin. Like he's saying these things about actually having the priorities of the kingdom, about loving your neighbors, about loving not only your family, but blessing those who even curse you. He's talking about this reversal of mind that people are like, oh, this, this seems hard. It seems contrary to everything we've thought and believed. Like we're the chosen race, we're the chosen people. Like, uh, you know, he's like this, he, there's, there's these challenging words that he's speaking about living and abiding in the love of God, you know? And he finishes it saying, so, so whoever hears these things and actually lives them puts this simplicity of the love of God into practice will be somebody who, like somebody who built his house upon a rock. Built his house on a very solid foundation. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. This is like violent storm language, even a flood, which that would take a, even a house on a good foundation, you know what I mean, will get taken out by a flood. But he's like, but not on this rock, mm -mm. not in this type of thing. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And when the storm comes, it will fall and great will be its fall. And it's this encouragement that says, hey, like, I know you, you, you have a way, the man, man has a way of doing things in his mind of what he thinks is wisdom in the right way and the right path, but the right, the right way and the right path is to know the voice of the shepherd and follow him in all things. Deal with the issues of the heart. Do not allow bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, wound. It, it, is, it, is, it is imperative to never hold on to those things but choose to walk out everything that I've spoken to you, everything that I've shown you, and it will cause your foundation to be incredibly solid in such a way that no matter what hits it in life, it will not affect it. And then what is that? I mean, that is literally like you will be living life above the ability to be affected by negativity. Above the like circumstance and the forecasts of this world, they will not matter to you. You'll be like a light, that's, you'll be like a city that's on a hill, a house that's on a hill, like a lamp that's not hidden. You'll, you'll be this exemplary image for people to look at and see. Wow. Because they're going to want to know, like, what are you on, man? What is the secret? I, I, wanna, I want whatever she's having. I want whatever he's taking. I want that program. And it's like, well, it's actually not a program, it's a person. And it's as simple as the basic tenets of our new covenant Christianity that are found all through the Old, Old Testament and the New Testament, that, that this is the covenant that I will make with them, says the Lord, Isaiah you know, 59, uh, 14. It's like, this is the covenant that I will make. My words will be in their hearts and mind, and they will be in their mouth from this time until forevermore. My spirit will be in them forevermore. Like these, this, these realities, this Jeremiah 31, 33, it's like no one will have to tell somebody else to know God. They will all have the ability to know God. You know, like all these, all these passages, all these, you know, it, it'll come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. This Joel too, this reality of like, hey, connection is not going to be limited to those who are the prophets any longer. It is going to be for everyone. And this will be the strength of my house in the earth. They will know my voice. 
And Jesus comes and he really snaps it, dude. You know what I mean? My sheep know my voice. The stranger's voice, they won't follow. Does that mean they're gonna go deaf to it? No, absolutely not. Sometimes his voice is very, very loud, very loud, but it doesn't mean we follow it. Sometimes the conventional wisdom or the negative forecast, right? Or the negative diagnosis can be very, very loud, but we can listen for the shepherd's voice and follow him, or we can just tap out and follow the other. You know? And that's the war. Remember, you know, in, in this, the parable of the seeds and the sower, you know, the, the, the kingdom of, uh, it's Mark 4, there's a few of them, but, uh, you know, some seed fell by the wayside, some food, you know, the birds came and swiped it up. Some, some didn't have really good roots, so it, you know, got, some got choked by the thoughts and cares of this world, which were the, were the thorns and all these different things. But when Jesus actually describes this to the, to the disciples and, and explains what the parable was about, he literally says the persecution or the, um, the resistance that comes against that seed growing actually comes for the seed in order to take root. It doesn't come to take it out. It, it seems like, oh, the attack has come to take it out. It's just like, hey, all that negativity, all that pressure, all that resistance, all that contrary um, attack, you know what I'm saying? All of it, we can see it as a victim, like, oh, help me, you know, or sound like Joe Dirt right there, help me, I'm new. <laughs> uh, don't ever watch that movie. It's a long time ago. But, uh, you know, um, what was I saying? Gosh, I, I distract myself, you know? Um, but yeah, that seed, but he's like, it comes because of the seed. It's like, oh, well, I quit. I believed for a little while and it didn't work. It's like, no, that resistance you're feeling is so that you will double down. It's there so that you will take root, man. This isn't for the soft. It's not for the victim. There are no victims in Christianity. There's not even conquerors. There's actually more than conquerors. It's a different level of this thing. Like everything works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Romans 8 says like all things, you know what I mean? This isn't like a Jocko, Willink, you know, podcast, you know, everything. If it happens bad, good, good. You know, that's what he says. Anybody heard that before? Alan got me on, Alan likes that guy, you know what I mean? But it's, but he, he's a military leader, um, in the United, in the Navy, and he, he, even even things when they would be contrary that happened, he would say, "Hey, well, that's good. Let's make the new plan." Like he would always take things as positive and say, "Take responsibility and let's move forward, no matter what." And it really is it's a beautiful way to think, but we we are commanded to be that way. The Scripture says that all things work for the good. The Bible says it's like, well, well, this feels this feels awful and rotten. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. Maybe the enemy has jumped in and tried to sabotage things, but I know that your plans are for good and for hope and for my future, and I'm doubling down because I know what you said in Isaiah 55. I know that your word doesn't return to you void, and if you've said you've given me everything according to life and godliness, if you've said that I was healed, I was healed by, the, by your stripes, it's already been done. If you said they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, if you've spoken those things to me, then, then I don't... I don't give two flips about what, air quotes, reality looks like it's manifesting right now. I, I, I will not believe it. Yeah. I just won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll believe what you said. Yes. Let's move forward. Yeah. You know? But it's like, we can, be, we can be, I think, sometimes so tricked, even in our Christianity, we can be so accustomed um, to living less than the victory that God has called us to live in. And maybe it's the majority of the way majority of people think. Well, that's just the way I know. Well, you're young, in, you're young in this, and so I know you're really zealous, but it doesn't always work that way. You know, you'll mature later on. Basically, you'll be jaded and negative like me eventually. You know what I mean? But in reality, it's like he's called us to live a certain way. How about this? There's this, there's a, I don't know, it's, it's a way of study, and it's, I don't think it's necessarily set in stone, but I think it's really cool. This thing called the law of first mention. I should say, I don't believe that it's a law. It has to be a law, but at the same time, it's, it's this kind of way people use to study the Bible, certain phrases or certain happenings or certain things that are in the Bible, that when you want to understand what something means, you look into the very first time it was ever mentioned in the Scriptures, and a lot of times that will give you a, a grid for, for it. And, and I mean, I've definitely seen it work. Uh, it's good, but... <clears throat> I thought of like, man, what is the first thing Jesus 
ever said. And we know he was, he's the word of God. He was, he was with God and was God in the beginning. Like he's, he's the whole thing. Let there be light. That's him talking. He's the creator. We've read John 1, Hebrews 1. We understand this, right? But what's the person, the first thing that the embodiment of Yahweh ever said? Like the first words ever recorded. I'd imagine they'd be pretty important. You know what I mean? It'd be pretty important, close. But um, what he said was, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's the first thing he ever said. Little 12-year-old Jesus. Yeah. Little 12-year-old little Jesus. That's the first thing he ever said. But, but does, he's 12. Does that make him any different than the eternal I am? I, it doesn't. It's in red in our Bible, you know. But I love that little story. I read it this week, and it always gives me a little bit of a smirk, like, man. In Luke 2, 41, it says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So this is the Jewish custom, and it was his family's custom. It was the tradition of his family that he lived and um, which is incredible because he was the lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. Passover is literally only symbolic about him. We're like, no, it's about Egypt and da da da. It's like, no, it really isn't. I mean, that's part of the story. But it all was about this. It was all about this 12 year old that was showing up with his, with his mom and his dad or stepdad or however you want to say that. You know what I mean? It's all about him. He's that lamb. And so here he is. He was 12 years old, and they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. There's that word again. Custom, tradition, all these things. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when they had finished the days that they were there, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mom, his mother, did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and amongst their acquaintances. So they were gone for a day before they realized they lost the most important package that had ever been given to anybody in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like... Herod's like making a decree to kill all the Jewish boys again. Like he's like, you know, they're having to get out of Dodge. Like they had to move to Egypt for a while. Angels would come to Joseph and say, hey, move your family to here. Hey, move them to Egypt. Hey, now it's time to come back into Galilee. Or, you know, and like, like they were divinely steered with this package. Can you imagine that? That would be a little bit of a stressful deal. You're carrying this little guy around that potentially is like the next King David in their mind. Like this messianic king. Mary, you know, we didn't even, this kid was born without us, you know, we, he's born of God somehow. Like, this is a, this is a wild thing. You got, you got, you got a bunch of astrologers, astronomy reading astrologers from Babylon who had been trained according to the wisdom of Daniel hundreds of years back that followed a star. Jupiter in retrograde had followed a star and found him and gave a bunch of gold and money to you. These experiences this young couple's having, these teenagers were, had had when they, were, when they had this baby. So they had, this, they had a pretty interesting track record. He paid his own way. You catch what I'm throwing? It's like, we don't have no money. Like, here's a bunch of gold and frankincense or whatever. You know, he's like, this is, like, man, thanks. You know, we're eating all, this baby's paying for our dinner, you know? Uh, you know, he's, it's, it's profound. Hey, it's time to get out of town. Hey, it's time to go here. Go to Egypt for a while. You know what I mean? Like, who knows the things that happened with him when he was a kid? Yeah. Who, it's not written, so no one really knows. You know what I mean? Where's Jesus at, you know? Five years old. <gasps> he's, he's, you go find him down at the Nile River, standing on top of the back of a crocodile, just surfing across. You're like, get up, man, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's like the eternal king, the eternal I am was just floating along in life. And these people were, they were given the task to, to watch out for him, take care of him. <laughs> you know, um, 
Crocodile things on the Bible. Before anybody gets up, so he's adding stuff. No, he's not. Come on, dude. Look. Um, so, anyways, but they went to the Passover with the Passover lamb, not knowing it was the Passover lamb, and lost him. Lost him. According to their custom. But I love that verse in, in, in verse 44. Maybe we'll go back to it. They, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. They left for, for a full day and just figured that he was with them. They just figured that he would know to follow them where they were going. Yeah, sure, right? Because that's the way it works. Hmm. That's the point of this message. They sought him amongst their relatives and their acquaintances. The people that were their family and their close friends, surely he's around all of them. So if we're all with all of them, everything's good. There's safety in numbers. You know, he's, 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 he's with somebody. He's with Uncle Joe or, well, his stepdad's Joe's or Joseph is Joe. He's with, you know, you know whoever and, and, and all these different things. And um, so they returned. So when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So they left for a day, a day's journey. Then they had to come back for a day's journey. So you've been gone for two days. 12-year-old. Big city, Jerusalem. So, so much bigger because it was Passover. So everybody's coming from out of town, all surrounding areas. The place is packed. Big festival. It says, so it was that after three days, they finally found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking them questions. Asking them questions. Now understand, this is the way that rabbis taught, right? They literally ask questions in order to provoke and to, and to pull thoughts and to challenge and to like... So we see this 12-year-old boy sitting there blowing the minds of people that have the Torah memorized. It's like, you, you're, where are you from again, Galilee? Like, where are you from? Like, you can't even get your hands on a scroll. What are you talking... How are you doing this? You know? So you've been sitting in your Sabbath services... And you've gained all this, like, who's your teacher? Like, you know, this guy is blowing minds. And, and it says, after three days, they found him, asked questions. It says, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. He was blowing everyone's mind. So there was this spectacle happening. There was a spectacle. This 12-year-old's blowing everybody's mind. And everybody that was there listening was just like, what in the world? And he's been doing this for a few days. A, a kid. It says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. This is his parents. Amazed. It's like probably super relieved. The main thing God's given us to do is watch you. And we almost just, we had him, the enemy found him, and took him out. You know? But they were amazed. They were astonished. And his mom said to him, son, why have you done this to us? That's a Middle Eastern woman. How do, how do you think that conversation went? Do you know? Do you have any clue? We've been looking for you. Do you have any clue how out of our minds we were looking for you? Like, what is wrong with you? Are you serious? You just stayed here for multiple days. We don't even live here. You knew the feast was over. You know, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And this is interesting. It's like, my father? And he said to them, why, why were you looking? Like, why was I the one that was lost? Like, why did you seek for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Did you, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Both of those translations work. Do you not, did you not understand that I must be in my father's house and about his business? It's like, man, dude, man. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. So he went down and came to Nazareth and, and he was submissive, submissive to them. So he's like, all right, I'll follow. if you guys want me to go back home, that's what you tell me to do, I'm gonna, I'll do it. You know. But it sounds to me like he was ready. Like, hey, it's, it's been a nice 12 years. Appreciate you taking care of me, taking care of me, right? Bar mitzvah, 
12. This is, this is, the, this is the age where we start college in, in, their, in their life. This is, this is the age where maturity starts. And we go from being a kid, doing kid chores, being, being your responsibility. And now we are an apprentice of our dad. And we take upon your trade and we start to learn. These guys getting married 15, 16 years old back then, y'all. I mean, you know, Mary and Joseph were probably that age, 16 or, you know, when they had a kid. You know, I don't know exactly. It could be a little lower than that. But, you know, it's, it's wild to us to think about it. But it's just like, this is, this is a kid, like, he, he was ready to go off to school, man. You know what I mean? Like, didn't you know? Like, this is part of the plan, isn't it? Like, no, no. You're coming with us. You're coming with us. Okay. Yielded to it. Yielded, honored his father and mother, went back and went back home with him. It's so funny to me, you know? But man, this, this speaks to me of so many things. But this is the Christian walk, the unconventional walk of knowing the Lord's voice, you know? And it's not just that he's 12 years old, he's about to, you know, he's, be, he's becoming a man, he's, he's, you know what I'm saying? But even for us, it's just like, hey, do you not understand that when you give your life to the Lord, it's not okay to stay in, in immaturity because of your own issues. It's like, it is time to seek the kingdom first above all things. Like, it's like, hey, like, we've been born again. Well, I'm a new believer. It's just like, yeah, well, we've been born again into something and now we, we are giving our keys over to the shepherd and like we've, we've transferred out of this, the way we live in this, this world, our, the status quo, the five-year plan, so to speak, and we're officially yielding to him in all that he has for us. That's what maturity looks like. Now, it's not, I'm not against planning. I'm not against, I mean, if anyone knows me, the amount of people that have gone to this church that I've actually encouraged to go back to school to get their degree, you know, all these different things. Like I'm pro all that. I I really am. If you have the time for it, however, or if you have, if it's a good, good fit for you, because I don't like this, this weird charismatic, just float around and listen to God's voice and never do anything and just get old and be young and old at the same time. That's just, I mean, it's so practical. You see it everywhere, but it's unfortunate. But anyways, that's a little bit of my own uh, thing, but what it is, it's like, yeah, it's like, hey, be successful and, and go the desires of your heart and do an excellent job and, and go through the school, go grab a career, go into the, you know, go into the, go into the world to be successful, not, not into the, the air quotes ministry world, go into the secular, secular world, like, like go to, go to absolutely anywhere you feel that your heart is leading, that the Lord is leading your heart and become successful and arise and shine and be a light in there. Success is not a microphone at a church. It's not. It can it can be if that's what you're called to do, but it's, it's like there's so many more platforms God has called his people to have. And, um, but the key there is the voice of the Lord. It's like, hey, like we step into this life like, hey, no, no, no. Our priority is the Father's house. It's the Father's house. It's the business of God. It's the family business. And we understand what that is by Jesus' words. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It's the abundance of the Father's house being manifested. It's that priority of kingdom first above all things. And it's the unconventional wisdom and word of God. And this is the first word that he ever, ever spoke. And a lot of times, you know, I, I, when I see this, I look at these people and they're even, you know, religious people. And so it's not just the world. It can be even a religious mindset um, because they're going through these, they're, they're literally just going through the motions, man. Well, this is the motions of what we do. This is the Passover feast. This is what we and our family and our relatives, we're all, we're kind of a big crew and we kind of do things and think things the same way. We let our kids watch the same movies and listen to the same kind of music. We've kind of all agreed we're not going to celebrate Halloween, right? Or maybe we are, but we'll call it Fall Fest. You know, whatever our, our little thing is that we think is like we've all agreed in our culture uh, to do, um, which I don't, any of those, but what I'm saying is, 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 they've developed something and, and missed the actual reality of who was there with them the whole time and his voice and his plan. And they were so accustomed. And I, and I, I love this when according to the custom of these, they finished the days and, um, and they returned, but, but the boy lingered long, but in verse 40, 44 of Luke two, it says, but supposing air quotes, supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey. 
And it's just like, it was one of those things. It's like, they just figured that God followed them around. And I think a lot of people have that mentality. Well, God just follows me around. He does what I want. And he doesn't. The Lord is my little lamb sheep. And I'm the shepherd and he follows me around. It's like, well, then don't wander into the valley of the shadow of death. Because it's going to be your staff that keeps you safe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't wander on the other side of the tracks. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, no, no, no. It's like supposing. We just figure, well, this is the way we've always done Christianity. This is the way we've always believed. It's like, can you imagine reading the Bible or just not? Can you imagine not? Can you imagine believing, you know, we could, we could start a service. This is the Bible. It is the word of God, everyone. You know, you've seen that before. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who does it. I'm just saying. Like, it's, it's, it's a pra common practice thing. It is. I am who it says I am and all, you know, all that. But it's like, can you imagine actually thinking that and believing that and not reading it? Just waiting for the talking head on Sunday to tell you what it says. Can you imagine that? Literally thinking that that's God's written word that by his spirit can be illuminated to you. The candle in the tabernacle and the, show, and the showbread, like it was actually a prophetic picture and it means this. And God can lead you by his voice and he highlights everything that his voice speaks to you can be found and confirmed in the word. And you can read the word and it can come alive to you. It's not some witchcrafty thing and charismatic flip the thing and let's play the Ouija board, you know, and get the words out of the Bible. Uh, it's actually really living. It's active. It's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it, it divides through the bone and marrow. It divides through soul and spirit. All Our Bible says, can you imagine believing that? And actually not reading it regularly. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? It's common, dude. It's common. I'm not trying to be combative or a jerk at all. You know what I'm saying? I love you guys. But it's like, what I'm saying, and I don't think this is the, this way of you. But it's like, that's the way people treat it. Like, well, he'll teach it to me later on. But yeah, but what if they're teaching it according to customs and things that aren't in it? You know what I mean? That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? Jesus, Jesus, 12 years old. He's blowing all these guys' minds. Do you think any of them were there? Like, hey, this family comes to my synagogue sometimes. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing messages your whole life and realizing he was sitting in the crowd and you were teaching weird, weird, bipolar, strange things about him that weren't true? And he sat there quiet. He was probably puckered up a little bit. He's like, mm, clenching his abs like, oh... You know what I mean? Because you're, you're misrepresenting him, but his time wasn't yet. Can you imagine that? Dude, that's a scary thing. It is to me, you know. But James says that. Like, he, don't, everybody just desires to be teachers. They, they want to get up and they want the show. You know what I'm saying? He's like, but you will be judged by a stricter judgment. You love to get revelation. You love to put it out. You love to send it out and all these things. It's like, hey, like, you'll be judged by a stricter judgment. It's like, that's, that's in the Bible. Well, yeah, but we believe differently about the judgment of God. Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. But if, but if, but if we, if you go to a martial arts competition and you're a blue belt and you grab a black one and tie it around because it looks cool and you want to look cool in the pictures, that's cool. But it's a belt of authority. And guess who you're fighting in the tournament? People are going to hurt you with that because you don't live that life. You just use it for a platform. The judgment's stricter. I know, a lot of heavy things today. I'm not trying to. But it's like, but this word, this, this is called to be actually our life. You know what I mean? It's called to be our life. It, it really is. And, and it's just like, here, here, here's a, a lesson. It's the first thing Jesus ever spoke. Did you not know? Didn't you, didn't you get the, don't you realize what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, but they just supposed that he would follow them. Well, this is the way it's always been. We looked for him amongst our relatives. This is the way our family does it. And then we go to Golden Corral. Like, you, don't you understand? Like, this, don't, don't, don't rock the boat, man. What are you doing? Where were you? This was inconvenient. It's like, no, it's actually, it's, it's, you got to follow. That's the shepherd, man. The sheep don't, don't rebuke him for that kind of stuff. Well, we'll look for him amongst our friends and our relatives. We'll, we'll feel comfortable about the state that we're in, about the religious machine that we're a part of. How about that? I'm allowed to say these types of things. We'll be comfortable in the religious machine because our friends and family are comfortable within it. 
And it's like, yeah, that's comfortable. Is until did you, you must hear the Lord's voice and be directed in your whole life. Dude, you guys know this guy. Oh, man, he's, he's a bishop. Did anybody see the news of Tyler, Texas this week? Yeah, that's pretty tough. That's gangster. I have to respect that. The bishop from the Catholic Church right downtown here, right at the four-way stop, um, Front Street maybe, uh, or Fifth Street or Third Street or something, on Broadway. But he, he spoke some things that got him in a little bit of trouble. It was wild. He's, what it, what, it's pretty controversial what he said, but I'm going to say it, so don't get offended at me, okay? So, but this is what he said. he said. He said that a marriage should be a man and a woman. That's the way it should be. <laughs> you know, that's what he said. Okay, oh, hey. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? And also, he, and also he said something else. This is even more. Get ready. Get ready. He said we, we shouldn't, and, and these are going to be my words, but this is, this is what he said. We should not... Um, feed into the delusion of people who think that they're a different gender than the one they were born. He said, we shouldn't do that. We need to love these people. But we can't just, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, what, did, what did Nobles Taylor Swift for Halloween? I mean, on October 31st for the fall, uh, fall celebrations this year. <laughs> but I don't call her Taylor Swift after she takes the costume off. Okay, you got that, you got that. But you know what I'm saying? But that, that, those are the things that this man said. And obviously the Pope and that, that side of the, you know, they've, they've said, hey, you know, we're going to have godparents that are trans and we're going to baptize people. You know, and say, hey, you know, that's their, that's their uh, organization. It's fun. You know, it's what, what they do is what they do, whatever. Um, but they sent some spies to listen to, his name Joseph? Bishop Joseph? I don't remember his name. Um, it's all over the news and stuff, and, like the world news, crazy. But they sent, sent some people to come assess the things that he was saying, and they found that it's, it's true, he's saying those things. And so the Pope himself, I don't even know the Pope's name, because I don't give a flip who he is, you know what I mean? But I don't remember his name, Pope Joe. So Pope John, John Doe uh, fired him. He, 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 got, he got rid of him this week. First they said, you, you have to remove yourself. And he's like, well, I'm not going to remove myself. I'm going to speak the truth that's in the Bible. And then they removed him. But it's beautiful is what it is. Because that guy stood for what he believed is true. And he didn't bow down to the machine. Respect on that. Bless that man, Lord. That he would know you. Yeah, that's really great, isn't it? Way to go, dude. Way to, way to go, my man. So anyways, what were we talking about, you know? Um, supposing him to have been in the company. Well, we made this new rule that we're going to accept this now. Like, hey, well, that's not in the Bible. I'm not going to do it, you know? So there's a lot of Catholic people that are really shook right now. That probably looked at him as, as being very credible and, well, he's teaching in the Bible and, um, you know, um, but uh, it's, it's a lovely thing. It's a lovely, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that, a church in Tyler, Texas went world famous this week too for an interesting reason. It's interesting, you know? But, um, yeah. But supposing him to have been in their company, it's like, hey, you're supposed to follow along with whatever we say, with whatever we do, with whatever our group deems is this and that, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't find him. He wasn't actually there. You know what I mean? <laughs> he wasn't with them. It reminds me of when Joshua, before, you know, when they were going to attack Jericho and they had to circumcise all the men, and he ran into the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus, with his sword drawn, sword drawn, and he said, are you with us? Joshua saying this to the angel of the Lord. He fronted him, bowed up on him. Are you with us or with our adversaries? In other words, hey, are you one of us and you're out going for a walk, or are we about to fight right now? You know? And um, Jesus the angel of the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and said what? He said, no. He's like, you need to take your shoes off where you're standing. It's holy. He said, I'm not with you or your adversaries. Catch it? I don't follow anyone. You have the opportunity to follow me. I'm the shepherd of this nation. To which Joshua, obviously, sorry, boss, I didn't know it was you. He hit the, door, he hit the floor, worshipped him, and then he said, hey, take your shoes off. I'm the, 
I'm that angel of the Lord that was in the bush that, you're, that Moses followed. So that was his moment with him. Um, but this, this reality of these things that Jesus speaks and that his voice leads into truth and that he has for us are so profound to me. Because here he is unlocking people's minds, but we see this first thing that he ever spoke to his family, did you not know? It's like, hey, if you feel like you've lost the voice of the Lord, if you've lost, I'm off track, I don't know where God is, I'm not hearing him, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you, if you feel like you've lost him, or like you don't know if you're on track, it's, it's, it's going back like, hey, did you not know the plan? that I must be about my father's business at my fa- in my father's household family business have you violated that <laughs> excuse me have you violated that seek first the kingdom and all things will be added unto you that Matthew 6:33 that Luke 12:31 have you lost that like hey are you seeking first my voice are you hearing my words that Matthew 7 have you heard my words and put them in action he who hears my words and put them in action they will be like this my words will not come to me void. Like, hey, have you, have you come to know my voice and, and have, you, have you bought the lie that resistance came because of the word, but you thought it was just shutting you down? But it was really actually a green light. A green light in the Lord looks like resistance to the word of the Lord. That's a weird way to think. It's a weird way to look, but it, it's written right after he says, my ways are higher than your ways. It's like, hey, if my word says it's true, bet your life upon that, build your life upon that. So when the storm does come to actually shake it off, it won't work. It won't happen. You know what I mean? And so here he is. He, he, again, we're seeing these instructions. It's like, hey, for those who even sometimes, you know, I actually felt like there were, there's people um, that feel like they're being completely stripped in life. And the reality is the Lord is leading you to your foundation in him. And it's a good thing. It's like, no, he's, he's wanting to reinforce your foundation. It's not a stripping. It's an enforcement of the foundation. It's like he's bringing you to build your life on something solid. That's the storm, man. Build it on something solid. In other words, step away from everything we're doing and building in our own strength and follow his voice. And it's the, the kingdom shakes everything, Hebrews 10, but it, it is, itself can't be shaken. We're, we're, we're established on something that's unshakable in this temporary reality so that we can demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And that's what, that's what I'm taking from all of this stuff. Like, hey, well, uh, we, we've lost. It's, this is the first time, but not the last time, Jesus is going to go missing. The Passover lamb went missing for three days. You, you feel me? You know what I'm saying? Disciples thought he lost for three days and, until the women came and saw him. Mary Magdalene falling at his feet. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, that, that was it. The first time he was gone for three days, they found him. Parents found him. The second time he was gone for three days, it was the best news of all time. He's alive. The angel's like, hey, he's, he's not dead, but, but he's alive. And he's coming back to talk to you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's the, that's the essence of our story, man. It's like everything you thought would work or not work Things came out in a different way and it was the most beautiful plan of all time. Because his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And we're called to live our life in this way that the Lord is actually our shepherd and we listen to his voice. And he comes and he, and he did you not know where I would be? It's like, hey, it's easy. If you feel like you've been off, it's easy. There's easy, practical ways to get yourself back centered in him. You know what I mean? And it's coming back to what to his word. It's coming back to, am I seeking the kingdom with my whole heart? Sometimes people are like, well, I'm just not hearing the Lord's voice. And, and, and the most practical answer that I can give them is like, dude, it's what was the last thing that he spoke to you? Can you remember it? What was the last encounter that you had? What was the last dream or vision or, or encounter or the scripture that was illuminated? Like that was directional for your life. And have you followed through in that? Has it become a part of you? Have you made it a priority? You know? And we can think, well, my family doesn't make it a priority or my friends don't make it. It's like, hey, man, like, yeah, well, you can, you can float around with them, but you'll go into that same confusion. But like, where is, where is the father's business, the father's house for you? Where is your alignment come from? And have you been faithful? Because when you are, 
the trail will lead you to more. His voice leads you to more, but so often he's waiting for that faithfulness. And man, just like last week, that last week was, we joke about it being a quarterly message, like I try to tag on forgiveness and all these things, but, but unforgiveness and bitterness is such a toxic thing that sidelines so many people. They get wound hurt, church hurt or wounded and all these things. It's like, yeah, that kind of stuff happens. And trust me, I fully know about it. Um, however, to stay wounded is, is what victims do. And that's where offenses come from, you know. To stay isolated is, is the path of the victim, and you will see no light in that path, you know. Proverbs says it, you know, Proverbs 18 says that he who isolates himself, the one who isolates themselves, seeks their own desire. And they, they, they break out or rage against all sound judgment and counsel. Yeah. And it's just like, there's so many people. I met a guy a few weeks ago, man. And, and it was just like, he was asking me, he, he found out that I was a pastor, which I, I, I hate when that happens, you know, because it's just, people either go into a hyper-religious mode with you or they, or they go into like, well, well, you know, they want to teach you because they've been wounded by the church stuff. And then he was in the other, he was in the other uh, category. Um, but he's like, so where's your church? He's like, well, I'll say where's He's like, you don't have a church. Like, where do you fellowship at? Because you can't, you can't go to a church. I am the church, and I take the church wherever I go. That's what he told me. And I, it's like, ah, oh, man. You know, it's one of those things where, like, I, I fully understand that you've been wounded by the whole machine. I didn't tell him this, but it's like I understand you're you feeling that way. But at the same time, you're absolutely dead wrong. Biblically, scripturally, the words of Jesus, you know, the way this thing works, like you just lost as a mug and you're a teacher of other people. But it, it's, it's one of those sad things. It was one of those weird things because I was actually dropping off with a temporary lease that I'm doing while our house is being finished. And, and it was his, one of his kids' birthdays. So it was like, like he didn't have much time. But it's like, you know, when somebody opens that can of worms with me, it's like, man, do I just grab this dude by the collar and really just go after him? You know what I mean? Or just... Uh, Another day, another time. Don't be provoked. I was Jesus puckered up, 12-year-old sitting through those messages thinking like, no, dude, no, 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 no. Yeah, he proceeded to tell me how Jesus was angry and, and Jesus didn't want to heal people, and, but he did what he saw the Father do. And I was just like, oh, man, you're just really going to try to really provoke me really hard to just getting after it right now, man. You have no clue who you're talking to. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so... Uh, another day with that fellow it'll it, it's coming it's coming dude um but yeah so anyways it's it's this this mentality of like this ecclesia this this relational connection this commitment that we're called to walk in what the church is actually called to be those who see jesus as he is on this rock i'll build my church the gates of hell this you'll be known by your love for one another we won't come into we'll just agree to disagree it's like no we're going to ab- agree on the fullness of this new covenant reality or we're not going to actually be church It'll be a true church or not, you know what I mean? But at the same time, this, this walk of unity, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, you read this, well, they just, supposing they had their traditions, but Jesus in a tradition. It's like, no, 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 I think, I think traditions and customs are, it's part of culture, and I don't think it's a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? We, me and Nicole talk about it, you know, first of all, we don't want to force our kids this way or that way, but at the same time, it's like we've, it's a priority to us that our family comes to church. Like, it's even for our girls, it's like, it's, it's going to be a priority of our family, that we come and we, this is something we do together. It's something that we connect and we do together and we, you know, we don't want them to hate it and be miserable, but they don't go to the churches that we went to as kids. So it's like, it's a little better deal for them. But you know, it's, it's one of those things like we want to establish like, Hey, this really is an aspect of kingdom first and family and custom. It's not all bad. Even the Passover customs, they're actually beautiful just because they didn't recognize Jesus. It was, he was prophesying his, what he was going to do. And so people could be awakened to what he did. So it's not that it was bad, but they got so used to going through the motions that they forgot the essence and the core, the heart of the whole entire thing. And I think that's what I don't want us to miss. And it's like his voice and his direction and the kingdom priority that he has for all of us. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what it is. We're called to live this way, not to be these wounded, you know, church club, you know, where we just bash the church and this and that and this and that. So it's like, I I get it. I, I do understand that a lot of people have been that way. And I get that there's people that get wounded inside of the church or even good churches and ministries. And I understand that this stuff happens. 
But even going back to last week, how, how much Jesus talked to his disciples, the level of, of sternness even that he said, hey, you have no right to hold on to unforgiveness. You must forgive. The priority is wholeness. It is restoration and relationships. It is you know, doing right by each other. It is walking in light. You know what I'm saying? It's like I've always said it like those who will not walk in the light, eventually they will attack the light. Those who won't walk in the light, they will eventually attack the light. And I've said that for 10 years. It's like it's something that I know to be true. Uh, but Jesus said it like this. He, he who doesn't gather with me actually scatters abroad. That's, that's in red. That's Matthew 12, 30. It's like he who doesn't gather actually scatters. They actually cause division. It's not like it's not okay to be going through the motions and just and just living it without tr- truly connecting to his voice. And that's ah, just okay. It's just the way we all do it. It's just like, hey, who, who doesn't ga- gather? In other words, who's not stepping into their father's business? Who's not, who's not actually accepting the healing and wholeness that he has for them and stepping into that through forgiveness and actually releasing light and being a light to other people? Who's not walking in this aspect of what this true religion's about is actually going to be scattering and dividing. And it's like, I don't know, that seems kind of harsh. And it's like, nah, dude, that's from, that's red letters. You know what I mean? He's not just going to pet people for their whole life. It's okay to stay where you're at. It's okay to hold on to that wound. He's not. He'll heal it instead and lead us forward. Man, a lot of tough hitters in this one right here. You know what I mean? But I don't mind. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's, I just, I work here, you know, so... As long as I'm right by him, like I'm, I'm good with it. You know what I'm saying? I had a really beautiful encounter this week, but I'm not going to be able to share that today with the Lord. And uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Open the scripture for me and everything. And um, you know, but I think that's where we'll land. The, the, the reality is, is, is that his ways are higher than our ways, but he desires his ways to be known in the earth. And the way that works isn't by some guy that, that can put those words together and just articulate it necessarily I'm sure that helps I hope but it's it's by the sons and daughters of the king and of God of the kingdom created in his image stepping into who they truly are and living the demonstration of the ways of God it's like hey it may look uncanny right it may be unorthodox but if it works and produces kingdom fruit people will abandon their path and seek to walk in his path, you know? Because it's not like, what's your five-year plan or what's your steps? It's like, hey, know him. Accept what he's done for you. Follow him. Let him purge your heart. Let it, give, him your, give him your wounds. Give him your offenses. Make those things right. Release them. Step into his healings. And the blood that's filled up with your eyes has caused you not to be able to see. You'll start to hear. The things that have filled your ears that have caused you not to hear, you'll be able to hear His voice. You'll be able to follow Him. His Word is like a, like a what is it? A lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path? Yeah, man. It's not the spotlight at the soccer field across the street. Has anybody ever ran at night in here? Or wore a headlamp at night? Got a few, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's sketchy, but like they kind of fold down right here. If you do like a you know, a race or something. A lot of times they start before the sun comes up and, and if they're really, really long, they, they, they go through the night. But it, it, it's a lamp that you can see where you're stepping so you don't fall. And, um, but that lamp and that light to your path, it's, it's not a five-year full light. It's to your next step. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your word's a lamp unto my feet. It's like it guides me in the steps that I'm supposed to take and if I follow through, it's funny how when you have one of those headlamps on, I've run them on trails. I've run them, ran one a couple weeks ago in the night. You know what I'm saying? If you run with a headlamp on, you can only see a couple steps in front of you. You know? So you're watching just like, you know, you're watching your running. But it's like the more steps you take, the more light shines in front of you. So you can run ultra marathon in the dark. You won't see the whole thing, but you'll see it in real time in the moment right in front of you. You'll see the next step. What's my next step? What's my next step? What's my next step? Boom, boom, boom. And then it comes to walking with his lamp. Like, I don't care where we're going. I don't care if it's the valley of shadow death. I don't care if it's the green grass. I just want to be with you because I love being around you. It's exhilarating and it's fun. And it's Christianity. And that's the point of today's message. Maybe we'll call it being a Christian. 
Lord, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you've called us to follow you. I thank you for the brilliance of your voice leading us into all truth, that your word illuminates our path. And I ask for even those that are here or listening, if there's anything that we have got in the way, maybe it's priorities, maybe it's wound, maybe it's offense, whatever it could be from hearing you and being directed and following through in you, that we would actually walk through the process of wholeness, of healing, of, of truth, of ownership in such a way that we would come back into hearing you clearly, seeing what you have for us, the mature walk that you have for us, the Father's business. Amen.